I, uh, I came across a story, uh, I, I guess it, it made its way to us earlier this year because, uh, because Kara Brookins had written a book that was published uh, in January. Kara Brookins is her name. She, uh, she's written a book called Rise, and then the subtitle is How a House Built a Family. And she's got a, a powerful story, and I think it would be appropriate if for about 45 seconds you turn your attention to the screens and watch a video that I got off of a little uh, internet website that, uh, that actually tells her story. Kara Brookins, and this is her story. So this is this is Kara's story, and, and you've seen some of it. But I'll uh, I'll sort of fill in the details. She was in a relationship, and uh, and it was it was abusive, and it was not good. And she had to get out of it. She had four children, and so she leaves this this relationship, but she has nowhere to live, and uh, and so she ends up with a piece of property that she buys and a loan, but she can't afford to buy a house or to have it built for her on the property that she has, which has no home on it. And so with her four children that range in, in, in age from like middle teenagers down to a two-year-old, which was, um, you saw the two-year-old in the arms of one of its siblings in the video, all of this in, in the year 2007, she turns to YouTube and watches videos and builds a house. I don't know if some of you have seen this story. It was covered on all the major networks. It was covered on all the major networks, uh, all, of the, all the news channels. And, uh, and there's a bunch of videos out there on YouTube that tell about how she learned to build a house on, from, from watching YouTube. Now, now, for one second, let me pause and leave, let me put on my best old man uh, impersonation, which I actually do now, uh, like in the flesh. Um, Back in my day, <laughs> back in my day, men and women learned a trade or a skill or a craft by watching someone real, okay? Can I get, right, all the old people in the room, uh, you know, can I just say amen as loud as you can? I mean, it was called apprenticeship. It was called going and getting a job. It was called starting out at whatever G level you start out on the base and working your way. You know what I'm saying? You know, where do you start out? Is it not G1, is it? No, G3, okay, whatever. I mean, you start out at the bottom and you learn from real people, right? Let me give you a little background. In 2005, uh, unrelated to this video, um, but not. In 2005, three guys 
from an internet company called PayPal leave their jobs. They get a big old $3 million loan out in California, which apparently they give away money to do stuff like that in California. And, uh, and they start a company because they had been, these three guys had been at a dinner party, or a couple of them had, and they uh, had taken some videos there, but they couldn't share their videos easily. And they're like, we need to create a website that allows us to share our videos more easily. And so they created YouTube. In, uh, in, in 2005, 2006, end of 2005 and 2006, seven months after they launch officially YouTube as a site, seven months later, they are receiving 65,000 new videos a day uploaded to the site from regular people. And I, I, I guess I'm one of them. I've probably, I've probably uploaded a dozen or more church videos and family videos and maybe, I don't know, maybe two dozen, something like that, over the, the, the last 12 years. That year, that year, they were getting uh, 100 million page views within the first six months of, uh, of, of their existence. Now, now think about it. That was way back 11 years ago. What's happened in the last 11 years? Well, all of the little people who 11 years ago were growing up with devices in their hands and all of the little people who've been born since then who have devices in their hands are watching what? YouTube. YouTube, yeah. Earlier this year, the statistics for YouTube's usage and uploading are staggering. Earlier this year, it's YouTube reported that Every minute of every hour of every day, 400 new hours of content are uploaded to the site. Every minute. Okay? So do the math. Two minutes later, there's 800 new hours of content out there on YouTube. Three minutes later, are you with me? You ready? Staggering numbers. In the course of a day, one billion people watch YouTube. And I don't know if it's with shame or pride. I'm going to tell you where four of them live, okay? <laughs> and it's two more than the other two, okay? And I'm not naming names, but Sam and Jack watch YouTube a lot. <laughs> they do, they do, they do. In fact, um, since they're not here, I can tell you a story about them, uh, which I didn't tell at the 9 o'clock service, but it's an absolutely true story that's very relevant. Earlier this week, one of my boys, I'm not going to single them out, one of my boys um, had uh, had had come to Julie and I and said, getting ready for back to school, he said, I want to spend my money on this thing to get ready for back to school. And we said, you know, you can get that exact same thing, you know, without that brand and all that, you know, you can get the exact same thing for a better price. We, we basically said, that's dumb. You don't need to spend your money on that thing. And, and, he, and this person, one of the two boys, um, said, uh, uh, you know, said, no, um, Okay, it was Sam. All right, um, <coughs> I can't tell the story without telling. So Sam says, uh, no, no, um, I want it. I'm going to do it. It's my money. Like two, three days pass, and we get in the car, and he starts driving out of the driveway with me, and he says, oh, by the way, Dad, um, I don't want to buy that thing anymore. And I was like, awesome, awesome. He's, you know, I've influenced his life. He said, yeah, I went on YouTube, and I saw some other people that had the exact same thing, and they said it wasn't very good. In fact, they said it was dumb and that I shouldn't do it. <laughs> what? I'm in the front seat going, am I chopped liver? That's exactly what I said. 
Okay, you cannot tell him I said that story, but it's 100% true. YouTube, back in my day. We'll get back to YouTube later. I invite you to turn in the Bible with me. We continue reading through, we continue reading through Philippians. We find ourselves now in this eighth week of our summer series towards the end of, in fact, we make our way out of the third chapter and into the fourth chapter. We, we pick up with Philippians 3, verse 17. This is Paul writing in around the year 62 to a church that he founded 11 or 12 years earlier, a church in Philippi. He says, Brothers and sisters, become imitators of me. And watch those who live this way. You can use us as models. And then he says, As I have told you many times and now say with deep sadness, many people live as enemies of the cross. Their lives end with destruction. Their God is their stomach. And they take pride in their disgrace because their thoughts focus on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven. We look forward to a Savior that comes from there the Lord Jesus Christ, He will transform our humble bodies so that they are like His glorious body by the power that also makes Him able to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, and He wraps up this section, therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and miss, who are my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. This, this is the Word of God for we the people of God, and we say together, Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh God, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth this day be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen and amen. So in the middle of this passage, Paul begins to talk again about a group that is meddling with the church that he founded and he doesn't like it again he's talking about a group that is agitating those that he cares about so greatly now we talked about one of uh we talked about a group like that last week and common commentaries that i've read and commentaries that you can read suggest that it might be that the same group he was talking about last week in the beginning of chapter three is the same group he's talking about here but it could be Two other explanations. So there's three possibilities of of groups that Paul is, I won't say fussing about, that he is warning with, 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 with all the passion that he can muster for this church that he says he loves and misses because he's not with them. He's not been with them for years. He would love to come back to be with them, but he also is indicating it's probably not going to happen. His, his life would be ended by uh, by those that had imprisoned him for the last two years, the Roman authorities, probably, uh, probably in, the last, in the next two years. So he's writing to warn them, I can't be with you, but you need to be aware of the ones who are with you that are telling you that which is false. Last week we said that there were those who, um, who had been uh, non-believers of anything, they had been converted to Judaism, and then they were converted to Christianity, and they were preaching a gospel that Paul was vehemently against. The gospel that says it's Jesus plus something else. And Paul says that's not it at all. In fact, in fact, that's nothing 
that the gospel is Jesus alone and, and there's nothing you can add to Jesus that makes the equation work. It's Jesus and Christ alone. Now, it could be that group. The other group it could be is a, is a group of, uh, of like Christian Gnostics. This is, this is what the common, uh, commentaries uh, are saying. They could be Christian Gnostics, which, 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 which believed, and I don't understand it perfectly, they believed that, uh, that, that, that Christ was divine but not human, Right? And so, therefore, uh, if he's not human, then we don't have to worry about, uh, uh, about, about keeping some of these laws. The third group, which is what I am leaning towards when I read this and, uh, and then read the commentaries, and uh, the third group is a group of, uh, that, that, that some of the commentaries refer to as libertines. Libertines. Now, let me explain them, and then, and then explain how they're, well, I think you'll understand, that they're not like... Uh, they're not like uh, uh, any modern political party that you might have heard of. A libertine in Paul's day was someone who believed so strongly in freedom that any responsibility goes away. And you understand, that's not how we talk of freedom here. That's not how we talk of freedom in this country. That's not how we understand freedom. But they were proposing that freedom, like the freedom that Paul would have preached, which is you are free in Christ. You are free. You're no longer bound and, and in slavery to sin and death. That freedom, they would have preached, means then you're in the world of anything goes. They would have taught that freedom means whatever. And Paul's saying, this is not right. Which, so this is explained by those words where he says, their God is the belly. Because they're saying you can eat as much as you want. You can, you can eat and drink anything you want. And this would have included probably uh, food that had already been given to idols. This would have been food that was inappropriate for them, for drink that was inappropriate for them. And then it says that, that with their bodies they do whatever they want. He's saying this is not acceptable. That, that the freedom that comes from being saved leads to something different than their message and their teaching which then brings us to this question it's the question of the day after we're saved what then what what are we supposed to do after we've been saved let's go let's go talk about that moment for just a moment in, in, in our Methodist Wesleyan understanding, God is at work in our lives before we accept Christ. And God is absolutely at work in our lives in the moment that we've accepted Christ. In fact, that moment of salvation, the, the, uh, the, the doorway swinging open, the, uh, the entrance into this mansion of God's grace and salvation is absolutely a work of God. But there's something that happens after that. Paul talks about this particular moment in, uh, in Romans 10. The scripture's in front of you. You turn in your Bibles with me. It's uh, Romans 10, verse 13. Some of this is going to be very familiar to you. It says, so how can, excuse me, all who call on the Lord's name will be saved. So how can they call on someone they don't have faith in? And how can they have faith in someone they haven't heard of? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent as it is written? And he quotes Isaiah here. How beautiful are the feet of those who announce the good news. 
But everyone hasn't obeyed the good news. As Isaiah says, Lord, who has had faith in our message? So, and now listen, this is, this is Paul defining that moment. Faith comes from listening. But it's listening by means of Christ's message. Paul is saying here in Romans, and then Paul is saying again in Philippians 3, what we've been reading, that, that salvation, salvation happens because of the work of Christ, because of the message of the life of Christ. The gospel itself is, is the moment It's the event that we're believing in. I've broken it out this way. From from what we've read this morning in Philippians, Paul is saying three things in a row. Paul says first that faith is trust. Faith is trust. It's it's trusting in in the work of Christ. It's trusting in God's provision for us. But that trusting... Trusting, he says, in these very verses from Philippians, is walking with God. Faith is trust, and trust is walking with God. And then finally, Paul says, walking with God is a workout. I mean, you've seen some people walk, and they'll never break a sweat at the pace they're going, right? Yeah? When I'm in a hurry and the boys are dragging by me, that's what I'm thinking, is we're never going to get anywhere on time. But not for Paul. Not his understanding. Not his understanding of what it means to, 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 to walk with God. We, we call it in the church, we call it sanctification. It's this grace that is making us holy after we've been saved. Sanctification. This, this holy-making process that God has at work in our lives. And Paul understands that after we've been saved, there's work to do. Listen, listen to this quote. This is, um, this is from Fred Craddock, great professor of, 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 of preaching and a, and a preacher himself. He says, Faith for Paul involved running, wrestling, striving, and fighting none of which would end until the day of Christ. We must remember that for Paul, all the effort was not meant for merit, but was rather the activity of one who had abandoned all claim to merit. Now let me take a pause in a minute in the middle of this quote. We talked about that last week. Earlier in in Philippians 3, Paul says, I'm great at this, and I'm great at this. I'm standing on my tippy toes. This is how Paul would have written it. I'm so great at all of this. Right? He said that. And then I brought Julie up last week. Remember, and uh, you do remember, because all of you have been calling the house going, hey, Julie, give us the rest of the list. But Julie got up last week, and she gave a list of the things that I'm not great at. That's what happened last week. I think we're going to destroy the evidence of that online. <clears throat> See, for Paul, it's, it's, not, it's not what I'm great at to be claimed. It's not even even hanging on to what I'm not great at. For Paul, faith is getting past the work that we get credit for, the accomplishments that we get applauded for. For Paul, it's getting past anything that we can take credit for or that merits us anything. It's past that. He says this, 
trust in God's grace did not make Paul less active. Rather, trust set him free now to run without watching his feet, without counting his steps, without competing with other servants of Christ. And this this is exactly what Paul has just said in the verses from last week before where we are today. Here they are on the screen. Look at it again, and, I, and I've got them, you can see in my Bible, I've got them circled in pink right here. I, I wish I could throw the pink on the screen, but, 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 but look for the action verbs. Look for the effort and the striving. This is what he says in Philippians 3.12. It's not that I have already reached this goal or have already been perfected, but I pursue it so that I may grab hold of it because Christ grabbed hold of me for just this purpose. Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget. Now, everybody in the room knows that to actually forget something takes effort. I mean, this is, this is an action verb. I forget about the things behind me and reach out for the things ahead of me. The goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. So all of us who are spiritually mature should think this way. And if anyone thinks differently, God will reveal it to him or her. Only let's live in a way that is consistent with whatever level we have reached. For Paul, it's about effort. It's about work. For, 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 for Paul... There's, there's none of this that, that after salvation, after we've entered the house, we go and lay down on the couch. We go and do whatever we want. Now, now let me be very clear. The, the preacher's not standing in front of you and saying that effort is what gets us saved. That work is a part of God's plan for our salvation. there's no part of our work that gets that done it's christ's work alone but after we've placed our trust in that after we've placed our faith in christ we're to stay busy or we're to get busy for paul it's pursuing and striving and forgetting i would add to the list it's forgiving it's reading It's listening, it's praying, it's singing. Now we're back to this question of YouTube. How do you you learn to do this stuff? How, How do you learn what those activities, how do you learn those skills and those crafts and those trades? Well, it's, Exactly back to where we started. Philippians 3.17. It says it this way. Brothers and sisters, become imitators of me and watch those who live this way. See, the way, the way I fun, firmly believe that he's written this letter, if you go back to verse, excuse me, chapter 2, he starts to talk about Epaphroditus and he brags on him. And he talks about Timothy and he brags on him. And he's referring to all of those messengers and companions and fellow laborers when Christ. He's, he's saying, look, 
You want to learn how to strive and pursue and to run and to fight and to wrestle? You want to learn how to fight this fight of faith? You follow Timothy. You follow Epaphroditus. I mean, he nearly lost his life, he says, for you, church. And if, and if you can't find them and if you can't follow them, then, then as a last resort, follow me. Paul would say, I'm the least of them all. But he's making it clear that the way we learn a craft, a skill, the way we learn faith is by imitating others. See, it might be possible to learn to build a house watching videos because she did it. And it's a fabulous story. But I don't, I don't think we can build our life of faith online. Let me, let me close with these three questions. Who are you watching and imitating? Number two, do you gather with others regularly to learn how to live this way? I'm thinking about Sunday school and Bible study or one-on-one discipleship that leads to table groups. And then number three, how is your spiritual workout activity level? Are you, are you working enough that others take notice and are imitating you? Let's pray. Gracious God, it is your Son, Jesus Christ, alone that makes the way for us to move from sinner, slave to death, into this new creation that you are making us into being. It is your Son, Jesus Christ, that makes this happen. And yet... And yet for all those who've moved from one to the other, you call us to respond, to work and live in ways that others might imitate us. Lord, this is the stuff of fear and trembling. Give us such courage to follow and to be followed. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.